Previously on Nerd Punches Nerd. You remember my old roommate, Bill Ferds? <laughs> Bill Ferds had his, uh, basically, Bill Ferds' girlfriend, who is. Bill Ferds? That is amazing, Jeremy. <laughs> That's not his real name. It's sanitized <laughs> for like your the protection. best name. I want to talk about an old friend who was a little bit different, and he's had a lot of tough experiences. I'm talking about Omar. Oh. Uh, yeah. I was Did also you think talking, that was an interesting choice, Sam, that we all, picked up? Hold on. Yes. Also well, I'm very happy that you put him yeah, on. Yeah, I knew you'd yeah. be. I think that it's interesting because we definitely had a a different range of who watched it, because I was definitely the last. And also for me, it was weird because I watched the first four episodes or so. And I was like, eh, whatever. And then I just sort of held off like for a long songs. time. Yeah, Benji and I, I remember Benji and I had to like convince you to watch this show. Yeah, it was kind of in some fire. It was kind of in some of that. And I think I was the first one to watch it too, but I, I could be wrong about that. Yeah, um, well, sorry, go ahead. And then eventually I started, you know, and then I just really got into it, got rolling. To the point where I was like, oh, this is all great. I like. I even like season two. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Right. Kind of funny. No, I, I love I season like two. It's kind of like how I like Feast for Crows and how you and I like Feast for Crows, know, you know? Weird. Or how you, know? you guys both like Lady in the Water or whatever it is. <laughs> what? No, you guys both like the Hulk. No, sorry. You guys both like Hulk. Right. Yes, right, the yes we do like the okay. Hulk. Although I have uh, yeah. heard somebody say it's a good movie, but not a good Hulk movie. And I, I totally understand. And but that's, anyway. that's probably fair, but yeah, anyway. it's fair. It's, it's fair. But, but anyway, like, uh, yeah, I, I, think, I think that um, the, the Wire, first of all, I wanted to put it there because, you know, eventually I want to have a podcast where you find you know, a way to talk about some of these, you know, more like real life um, dramas that, that, that we like. Because all of us like certain things of those. And, and The Wire definitely represents um, one of the best uh, one of the best dramas. I mean, it's just it's it's right. so brilliantly written. I think you know, it's better it's, it's, than sorry? Sopranos because I thought that the, my well, the way I was thinking here was it's hard to compare. Well, but, okay, first of all, the Sopranos well, yeah, it ended, so it was still an option. Mad Men is still going, so I didn't really want to include that. I mm-hmm. haven't seen Breaking Bad, so it doesn't really mean anything to me. And you know, there's certainly other you know dramas and so on, but if we think about it, really. What do we think about the most? We don't really reference The Sopranos that much. We reference The Wire a lot more. Right, right, right. Know? And I think that if Sam had seen Mad Men, he'd probably be referencing that one more also. Right. I, eventually I will get to watch Mad yeah, Men. Yeah, and I, th- I think I really like it. But I want to. I need to finish watching Breaking Bad first, and then I'll watch yeah. Mad Men. Well, no, no, I mean, Mad Men's excellent, and, and you'll see. But one of the cool things about The Wire is just, uh, well, first of all, you, you know, like Omar's perfect. We should talk about that in a second. Why Omar is perfect for for representing the Wire, but 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 in but in general, like the Wire is one of the best things. It's one of the most honest things, and and, and it's not exactly. I wouldn't call people an ensemble, though. Actually, they do have a great ensemble in terms of the main police detectives. The core group kind of do stay through it, so they kind of are the core. They're kind of the core of the Wire, but um, but they have recurring characters. They have all sorts of people come in. You know, they have such great lines, such great moments, and it's so real feeling. And the thing is, what what's great about Omar is Omar is kind of this mythic, you know, character in there, even though he exists and he has flaws and stuff like that. He doesn't quite do as much as you want him to do because it's kind of realistic. But he kind of is this like weird superhero, and it's like he's this like, 
you know, ghetto, like, you know, Robin Hood sort of like, you know, he's got his own moral that, that he's like, he's in the, the thick of it, you know, doing all this shit, but he's actually trying to like do something good, you know what I mean? And in his way, even though he fucks up and he's gay, that's the thing, like he's badass and he's gay and he's like just, you know, and, 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 and he, and he comes in and he does amazing shit. I mean, spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. In the fifth season, when he jumps out the fucking window, remember? When he's trying <laughs> yes. to escape from Marlo, he jumps out. And, from like the seventh and, story or something, and right? Like, and like Marlo even says, Marlo's impressed. He's like, oh, that's some Spider-Man shit, you know? <laughs> and, and, like, and you see him, and the cool thing is that part of it is that Omar really is. He's the real deal. And you see that afterwards, he like broke his leg, and he's like crying because he like, you know, in pain because because he broke his leg but he's like willing to do that crazy shit like he jumps out a fucking window that's amazing yeah that he well, does that. is either that or get shot so there you go yeah but do you agree like omar should be like one of the main people to show the wire the whole season of course you he's know? well he was president obama's favorite character Wow. Yeah, there you and go. you know what's great about him he's also been like a good sport about he's one of, he's been one of the only it's not the only actor from the wire Who's like also done like like funny like campy shit that's making fun of the wire? You know what I mean? He was in like the Wire the musical thing. You know he he had this thing this whole thing about talking about AIDS or whatever, trying to spread like awareness about whatever or something like that. And he said so get so go get checked. Omar gonna get you, and he winks at the camera. <laughs> like it, it's kind of like he also has like a good sport about, it, and he's awesome in Boardwalk Empire. You know you guys haven't really seen that. Like like he's a really good actor and like. And, and The Wire is just, it's an incredible show. Like, we're lucky to have The Wire as a show, you know, in our, in, in the entertainment business. We're lucky that that got through. Yeah, definitely. It, and that it, it was able to go through to completion. Yeah, and, and that it holds up and that people still watch it. You know, even though it was not always the biggest thing ever, a lot of people know about it. And it, it's had an impact. Yeah, and, it's and, kind of weird how the show didn't become like a really big hit until yeah. it was basically already over. No, it's still not a big hit, but yeah. All right, let's move on. This description is going to sound a little familiar. It's about an old friend. He's had a lot of problems in his past. He's kind of misunderstood. You know, his name is Mr. Freeze. <laughs> I'm so yeah. glad. You know, I was I was going to mention something. We've, we've already moved on from the sci-fi. I was going to say something about how we didn't have anything from Terminator on there, which is a shame. Right. But we, you still managed to get Arnold on there, so I, you know, I, I can look past I'll the, be back from Terminator. In the refrigerator. Well, I mean, I, I think I think he's in the uh, he's in the the category of like, I mean, just that the not not the parody and everything, but it's kind of in like the so bad it's good category, like oh, that totally. whole thing. We, you know, which is I, part of nerdiness. It's like nostalgia. Yeah, I mean, the ability. The thing is, there is a problem I see a lot of times, with the, especially with the hipsterism, which is this idea of ironic enjoyment, which is, yeah, I enjoy it. It sucks, and I know it sucks. It's like, come on, listen. When we watch Batman and Robin, we're having a blast. Yes, it's exactly. Not, we're not, we're not sitting there like, <laughs> this is, I I like Batman and Robin because it's terrible. <laughs> I sit there and I just cry in agony. It's like, come on, that's just awful. And I feel like the Mr. Freeze is the epitome of the ridiculousness <laughs> of Batman and Robin. <laughs> I'm yes, so sorry, you got your Batman nipples, <laughs> what credit cards or whatever. Come on. We all know Mr. Freeze, Arnold Schwarzenegger, oh, all, of the, all of the ice puns. 
Part of it is also that it's Arnold. I mean, really, it's, it's, like, a Chris, it's like a Christopher Walken sort of thing that when he's in it, it's awesome. And it just, it like, it, he would not have been as, been, been as memorable, most likely, probably 100% not as likely, if if uh, it wasn't Arnold. But since it's Arnold Schwarzenegger, yeah. it's awesome. So the it's, puns it's, are amazing. Because his delivery is bad... That makes it funnier than if the delivery was good. True. Well, it's not even that it, it's not just his like, delivery is bad. It's that his delivery is Arnold. His delivery yeah, is still Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> He's still saying hasta la vista, baby. And <laughs> like, and come with me if you want to live, you know. Come with like, me if you want to live on ice. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? He's still saying it that way. He's still Arnold. And it just, it's incredible. So, Listen, um, there's a reason that we talk about this. I mean, the truth is, you know, even for something like Street Fighter, there are some dull moments in it, even with all the sort of fun nonsense. But with Batman and Robin, it's so stupid, but delightfully so from beginning to end. And that's sort of like, to me, the epitome of the bad movie. That's yeah, yeah. Was, you know, it's funny because, like, we talk about how bad that movie is and how it was a disaster and how Joel Schumacher and all that, but... In a way, you could argue that Joel Schumacher succeeded in what he was trying to do because he was trying yeah. to make a ridiculous movie. I agree. You know, what? and it's he made a ridiculous that, movie that that you know that you would argue is actually fairly entertaining. And that's funny because you know there's a lot of hate out there, especially on the internet for this movie. Where they're just oh, it's awful. It raped my childhood. Whatever nonsense. I don't <laughs> it know. did a little bit. <laughs> At least raped an after, afternoon of hours. Or whatever you want to say. I mean, but yes, the truth is, sometimes those old Adam West ones... Well, yeah, not if you spend your childhood movie. watching Adam West Batman. Like, well, I mean, you know. I technically did, but it's still... I, <laughs> yeah. I like Batman Returns a lot, and I saw that one first, and and then I saw Batman Forever, and I was like, well, that was all right, I guess. And then well, Batman and Robin was like, what the hell is this? It's just, yeah. it's so ridiculous. It's over the top that if it was a parody movie, you'd say it's trying too hard. Well, here's but because here's it's a, not yeah. trying to be a parody. It's trying to just be kind of ridiculous, over the top. It is trying to be over the top. Of course right. it is. I mean, we talked about how I think they were trying to come up with puns. I'm sure they were trying. So, yeah. you know, yeah, what? I, I, I just think that that's good. All right. Anything else before we well, go? Well, sure. Definitely, definitely. Just, I just want to say really quickly, like, I think that. That the Christopher Nolan Batman movies, obviously they're historic movies, so they they changed the game. Um, so like we think of him in this serious context and all that stuff, and we respect that. And it's cool they're pushing that. But we have to acknowledge the fact that a part of Batman's history, even early history, is also that campy element that's there. That's from the Adam West stuff because that was much earlier on in the history, and that is you know that's the thing about comic book characters. They they take on their own life, so they go in a bunch of different directions. And I think that. That, you know, the Adam West stuff set the tone, so it's not so crazy for them to come up with ridiculous Batman stuff. Anyway. Right. Well, yeah. okay, let's go on to our, our next guy. Another, our next representation. He's isn't also an old friend, but let's just say he isn't misunderstood, and he's an indestructible monster. And <laughs> I'm talking about Kefka from Final Fantasy VI. Uh, of course, I thought you were saying Louis C.K. No, no. He's not an indestructible monster yet. But we've talked for ages about Final Fantasy VI. We're not going to get into it much, but what's relevant here is what the importance of video games is to us. We've all played video yeah. games, some of us more than others, obviously, and some of us played certain types of games more than others. But gaming in general is a very nerdy thing, and yes. it's just one of those weird things that Final Fantasy VI hit us all exactly the right time, 
And yeah. well, gaming is nerdy, but like JRPGs is like a particular kind of true. gaming true. nerdiness. But it also it was like it's funny because like it, a lot of people picked up Final Fantasy VII when because you know it was a popular game with the PlayStation. It's a huge and, game, and a lot of people played it, and that was their first like RPG thing, and so that's why it affected so many people. But it was different because we you know we obviously I'd played even from the first Final Fantasy, and it didn't really affect me in the same way as some of the later ones. Yeah, yeah. No, I played I played the first game on the Nintendo. My brother and I had it. And my brother doesn't even like play RPGs much, but for some reason we had Final Fantasy and he played it. I mean, um, it, it you know, my next door neighbor who was also like into yeah, into yeah. all kinds of video games. It had some and cool we, ideas. You know, we beat we beat the game, you know, a couple of different times. I mean, they were messing around with like mixing fantasy and sci-fi and steampunk and time travel. What about Final Fantasy 6 now? No, Final Fantasy 1. Final Fantasy 1. But yeah. then, like, as you kept going, you know, like, Final Fantasy IV has had a much more linear story, and Final Fantasy VI kind of had this great mix of both a story that was just amazing, and also yeah. really great things that you could do. And, yeah, it's not for everyone, because not everyone can handle that kind of long game, and it doesn't have a lot of action-action. But it's just, it's just fun to play. It is fun. And it's you love these characters. It's another example of great sure. characters. Is every yeah. character a gem? No. But no, but and, and so it's, it's, it is kind of like Firefly in the sense of, like, there are a bunch of good characters and a bunch of really good scenes, and of course, the music is just unbelievable. Oh, the music, well, we could well, spend a whole podcast talking about the music. Right, right, I don't right, think right. there's a, there has, there is no other game soundtrack that is... And, and people don't know that, but as a whole, yeah, cohesively, like, that's the greatest. Yeah. Um, so let's but, move on, then. Yeah, yeah. And this is another guy, also... I wouldn't call him misunderstood either. <laughs> and he's also an indestructible monster. Talking about <laughs> Boris the Blade. Boris the Blade. Boris the Blade. <laughs> yeah, yeah, talk about this. I want to hear what you say, why this is nerdy and all, why it relates to us and all that stuff. Well, yeah. obviously this guy is by our favorite character actor, Rada Savage. I said that wrong. Well, the important thing is we watched this movie Snatch, and it was amazing. And it's also, it's weird because it is a nerdy because this idea about watching these British punk fighting movies is not exactly like a mainstream thing. It's not yeah, well, I mean, especially especially Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels was like kind of a cult hit, and then Snatch was like a little bit bigger. I mean, it had Brad Pitt in it. Like, it wasn't you know, it wasn't obscure, but it was also like kind of more of a cult hit than a than a mainstream hit. Now, there was something right. I thought about including, and I decided against it just just in terms of space, but which was basically like something like either Bruce Lee or Jet Li or Jackie Chan or something like that, yeah. a martial arts thing. Mm-hmm. I, think I, don't think I don't think we're all connected to him enough to really... To, to really I think, yeah, that's how I thought. But the thing part is, of it. like, some of these, like, the, the crime things and the, you know, the Snatch thing in particular, this is sort of one of those things that, to me, it represents the kind of obsession that you can get over a movie that's kind of fun, but it's just... Not for everyone at all. It's like an ultra-violent type of movie, you know, that's really weird, plays around with time and characters, and you have some really fun people in it. And, of course, some exceptionally memorable people. Yeah. I mean, and lines. And yeah, lines. lines are great. And, 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 and one, thing, one, thing that, one thing that Guy Ritchie does in that movie, which is kind of hard to do, um, is it's kind of like what Alan Moore does in Watchmen. It's kind of like... You see that this world already exists. You know what I mean? Like it's very weird, but it's like you 
you know that there's you can just feel there are all these different dramas and other interesting things going on in this world that you don't quite know about. It kind of makes an assumption. Oh, you know about this person, this person, and they really don't give you a lot. And somehow it's like they give you these little bits and pieces, and that somehow becomes this like this long, like actual interesting story. Yeah, you know, actually, it's yeah. interesting because I was thinking of another movie that's sort of along those same lines, and like all these movies, I would say are sort of like Tarantino influenced. Right. Um, you know, like they're all following yeah. like like Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs and stuff. But um, Lucky Number Eleven. I don't know if either of you guys have seen that. I would um, give it a solid. So Lucky Lucky Number Eleven is a movie that's sort of a ripoff of of like I wouldn't call it a ripoff, but he's influenced. He's like he's like um, the second, you know, like like uh, like like third hand basically. Um, you know, he's he's coming after Guy Ritchie, kind of trying to trying to play off Guy Ritchie, who was trying to play off Quentin Tarantino. But the thing about Lucky Number Eleven is that it doesn't have what you were describing, Benji. It doesn't it doesn't feel like there's a larger world with like more dramas and stuff you don't know right. about. Like the movie just tells you everything that happens in the movie. And there's no sense that there's anything else beyond it. Like, the whole movie could take place in the space of, like, you know, one city block. And, like, you know, it wouldn't, there wouldn't be anything else out there. It's, like, it's, it's, all, it's all inside of this black right. box. Right? But, but Guy Ritchie's movies are not like that. You know, Lockstock or, or Snatch or whatever. I haven't seen um, Layer Cake. Um, I, still, I still have been meaning to see that. But, uh, but well, yeah, but it's, you know, he, he does a better job of building this, yeah. sense of there being like a whole culture a whole society around the characters right right like, like a, a hipster right because we can say yeah we like jason satan before it was cool yeah yeah well exactly. he that, i think that was his best role he was awesome in that movie that's the thing well now you know Turkish. he's like recognizable as like a badass guy but right he wasn't, I, really, I think was he wasn't a badass character in that he was just kind of like a fun guy he was pretty confident but not super confident. Right, but he wasn't he wasn't like a badass or no, anything. No, and that's why it's kind he of interesting. Just, he wasn't a pussy, but he was just like he was just kinda of like a he was just kinda of like you know, just like a like a working guy, you know what I mean? Like he just felt like you know, he was he was a man, but he was just like he was just trying to do what he could. But he, and he, he had such a great way of like reacting to things. Yeah. Like he didn't now, really Brad lose Pitt. his whole Brad Pitt yeah. was a badass. Yeah, he, he was, was, he was, oh my God. was great in that. It's like that and Fight Club, like Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt like, is amazing in that movie. Yeah, well, I agree. Yeah. So, but I, and and, 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 and uh, just the thing is, is, like you know what I mean? Like You see like Bricktop, it's like you know there are tons of other stories about Bricktop or yeah. about, um, yeah. or about a Tony. Oh, God, why am I, why am I drinking Bullet Tooth Tony? Oh, yeah, definitely. Does the expression as greedy as a pig? Yeah, <laughs> all these characters, they all have these names. That you sh- that it's like he shows their names. Yes. Even Benicio Del Toro's in it and, and is like, like awesome. Big Chris, and little Chris. With this really <laughs> weird <laughs> accent. But you just Doing the decipher. first job of playing a Jewish character of anyone in the history of film. <laughs> yeah, I know Dennis Farina Although, is amazing Dennis at it. Dennis Farina was also, no, he was also pretty bad at it. No, Dennis Farina at least could play a Jew a little bit. Benicio Del Toro, I'm sorry. He is just awful. Abby, I- it's so nice to hear you on the phone. <laughs> Abby! <laughs> He's like, shut up. Yeah, but Dennis Farina, like, he was just like, get him to a good Jewish doctor. <laughs> He's got the keeper on, too. I know, that's right. The, the, great, the great thing about it is also, the other thing about the movie which is really interesting is, like, it's very ballsy. People don't talk about this a lot. It's really ballsy with talking about all, all this like racial, like like ethnocentric, ethnophobic stuff. Like it, it gets into that, like kind of intensely. 
and like it's kind of it's it's interesting i think um all right you know, well, so, yeah i think it's time to move on okay and our next guy is someone who unlike a lot of these people actually exists in real life and we're talking about joss whedon king of the nerds as he's often yeah. called now I you know, know, it's funny because we already spoke about Joss Whedon, and you have Firefly on here in addition to Joss Whedon, so yeah. it might uh, be a little he's bit. He's the king of the nerds. We gotta, we gotta pay, pay our allegiance. You know what I mean? Yeah, and the we truth got... is, he's everywhere. <laughs> I mean, he's fight. in movies. He's in TV. He's in comics. You know, it's he's a, and he's a proponent of nerdy things. You know, you know what I mean? Like he, he actually is. he represents. He's like Tupac for like the nerds. You know what I mean? Like, that's... <laughs> yes, that's a good point. He he likes. To, he's trying to integrate more nerdy things into mainstream. I mean, that's like a whole thing. I mean, I've talked about this before, how I felt like Avengers had to do what it did to be as successful as it was, and I can accept that, even if I think that it could have been actually a better movie if other things had happened. And I think Joss Whedon totally knows that. But I think that he made the Realistically, it couldn't have been much better... Than it was. Well, I don't. I don't see any way that. I, it, well, it I, I don't, well, let's not get into that right now. Yeah. But I think that it doesn't really matter about how much better it could have been because I think that the right decisions were made, and I think he's also becoming a savvier person at this because I don't think that was really always the case for him. And I think you know he's getting in a better position for these types of things, and I think that's cool. I, I don't know. I don't know how savvy he's gotten. I mean, that whole dollhouse fiasco. That's before events. Yeah, I know. But it's hard to, it's it hard to know what it's, it's hard to know though. Like, it really wasn't that what's long going on ago. in his head. I mean, I think I think we can leave it at like like we don't know what's going on in his head. Like, you yeah, know, I, I think these are fair ways. I really like Dollhouse, but I, most people I, don't. I, I did I did too, but it, you know, it, whatever. I mean, if we're looking at it as a long career, I mean, he's an artist with a career. I mean, he's a legit artist with a career. So some things are better than others, and some things we, even because we're fans will be like. We're open to it, and we see the good in it, and we like it. You know, we I think all of us like a dollhouse, but it's by no means his best work. Well, you know? here's an interesting question: If you couldn't pick Joss Whedon, who would be the other person in this role? Hmm. Would we put Darren Aronofsky? Because we all like it doesn't it doesn't quite work. Wait, and that's you mean you mean to fill in the space, or you mean yes. as King of the Nerds? The space of nerd representative. Because the other the other King of the Nerds would be Will Wheaton. No, that doesn't count. He's, doesn't it? No, he's not the king of the nerds. He's king of the Star Trek nerds. Oh, no, he's gone way beyond Star Trek. So you say, but I disagree. I don't even know who he is. There you go. Or, speaking <laughs> of Star Trek, you could put George Takai on there. Again, no. <laughs> I, no, and yeah. he, you have to give... It has to be someone who has some sort of influence and some sort of ability to cross the mainstream. And the closest I, I can think of is maybe Neil Gaiman. But even that yeah. isn't quite as the same. Yeah. I just feel yeah. like there's no one quite like Joss Whedon right now. Now, was that always the case? No. I, think I feel like we could have put William Shatner up there. <laughs> no. Price line back. No. Oh, okay. All right, well, let's well we don't need William Shatner because we already have Zap Brannigan. Yeah, right, well, that's our next character, who is Zap Brannigan, who, yes, you're right, was modeled after William Shatner. But... It's interesting because so here what we're doing is sort of representing animation that we can appreciate as older people, as adults. So uh -huh. it's not really kids' animation, which is a difference. 
because we'll get into like in the comedy adult vein. Simpsons yeah, we'll get stuff. into like more kid stuff later. But I think it's interesting because Futurama became my favorite of these of the cartoon shows after four seasons of very very average Simpsons episodes and not at all the same for Futurama. And the truth is, Futurama has not been perfect. It's had some duller episodes. But in general, it's been funnier. It's been more heartwarming. Now, yes, if you go back to some of the earlier seasons of Simpsons, there were some things that really were affecting and interesting and clever and funny. But it got less and less so. They started running out of ideas. And Futura, and also part of it was, you know, focusing. You know, Matt Greening was one of these people that in the early days of The Simpsons, he would say, nah, don't do that, or nah, whatever. Nowadays, it's like he's all rubber stamping it. Like, fine, whatever. He really doesn't care so much about The Simpsons. He still does care about Futurama. I, I mean... He's a good... I, think it's, a I don't good think kid. this is really... The point, the point of, of choosing Futurama over The Simpsons is not to say, like, whether Futurama is a better show than The Simpsons. You could argue that, like, from start to finish, Futurama is a better show than The Simpsons. Um, but the reason that, that we should have Futurama on here and not The Simpsons is because while The Simpsons is kind of nerdy, Futurama is very nerdy. That's yeah, there's some Futurama nerds. Futurama, nerds. because the whole point of Futurama is, is to, like, parody or, or play with science fiction tropes and, you know, science fiction shows and properties and stuff and, like, make references to them. And, um, you know, I mean, The Simpsons does that for everything, but Futurama does it specifically focused on sci-fi. For example, you probably haven't seen it, but there was just the most recent Futurama episode was called T, the Terrestrial, where Fry gets uh, lost on another planet and basically becomes like the E.T. to an alien. And it's pretty hilarious because it's sort of like an ET parody, sort of, but not really. So yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, mean, it's just I don't know. And it was a, it was, you, it was, it was a very it was a very funny episode. Futurama. I mean, also part of it is that we you know we got to put that there because you know Futurama is is um, such a like it, it's also just an excellent show, and it's a show that kind of has always maintained its edge for the most part. It's a little bit of an edge, but it doesn't have too much. I mean, that's the other to, interesting it tries thing. Tries to be smart. Yeah, it's like it's like so it's got a little edge, but yeah, it tries to be smart, tries to have all these things going on. It's really good, and also the whole ensemble is really good. I mean, they all have great moments. And the, the interesting thing is, you put Zach Brannigan, which is fine. You could, I think, pick anyone from from Futurama, and that would be acceptable. I mean, sure, you know? obviously, some people have caught on, you know, like with your Zoidbergs or every, everything. Oh my God, and Zoidberg's such a great character. Oh, yeah, well, in the last episode, there was a thing where they basically said, "All right, we're going to pair off to you know to we have a buddy system," so. It's what Hermes says. He says, all right, Bender, you and Fry. Uh, Lilo, you can go with Amy. And then I will go with... And then only Zoidberg's left. And he's like, uh... <laughs> and, Zoidberg, and Zoidberg says, <laughs> Screw it again, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and, man. And just the look of happiness on his face. Yeah. Just, I love it. It's part of the animation and also the voice work yeah. and also the writing. It just... It all fits. So I think that works as our nerdy representation of Adulter cartoons. Now let's move okay. on to a kid's version, which is represented here by Mr. Scrooge McDuck. 